Welcome to episode six of season two of my podcast series, Aging with Grace 55 Plus. This is your host, Dale Josie. So, what are your plans after weekly paychecks end and you head into retirement? No surprise, perhaps, to hear that reserving wealth remains a major concern given Americans age 55 plus will spend one-third of their lives in retirement. According to recent surveys, 62% are more concerned about their retirement than they were a year ago. One possible revenue stream, in addition to others in a well-planned portfolio of financial options, could be variable annuities. Some variable annuities offer a guaranteed interest rate investment option, automatic portfolio rebalancing, and other features that can help manage investment risk. Ah, perhaps there's the rub. There's that four-letter word, R-I-S-K, that is at the crux of today's podcast. We're about to discuss the psychology of investing with David Lau, founder and CEO of DPL Financial Partners. Mr. Lau reviews two of the four typical investor personalities, the risk-adverse, and as the name suggests, not one penny in any type of investment. And number two, the follower, whatever is easy or most comfortable for investing. And then seasoned writer Lucy M. Pritchett shares short trip ideas for seniors. This episode concludes with a story of a determined young man who, despite numerous failures, ended up building a recognized brand for shoppers. So, lean in and welcome to this edition of Aging with Grace 55+, Plus, sponsored by Kentucky AARP, Today's Transitions Magazine for Seniors, and DPL Financial Partners. Americans age 55 plus will spend one-third of their life in retirement. According to recent surveys, 62% are more concerned about their retirement now than they were a year ago. Their number one fear, and perhaps not surprising, is that Social Security will dry up, followed by their second fear of outliving savings. Another 47% are worried about how they'll cover rising healthcare costs in retirement. Whether you're thinking about or have already retired, my next guest, David Lau, founder and CEO of DPL Financial Partners, discusses using annuities to build or enhance a solid retirement plan of your own. And in full disclosure, DPL Financial is one of several sponsors of this month the podcast series, Aging with Grace 55 Plus. Before we meet David, I think it's good to have a little background information because annuities themselves are not new. Archaeological evidence suggests that the ancient Egyptians had an annuity for one of their princes. Modern-day annuities can even be traced back to ancient Rome. 
It was during the Roman Empire that buyers and sellers entered into contracts that were called annua. Annua, A-N-N-U-A in Latin, which was the predecessor of the English word annual. During the 16th through 18th century, other European nations followed the model of England, France, and Holland, which opted to issue annuities over 200 years instead of government bonds to finance public projects and provide retirement income for certain government officials. In 1759, the concept of annuities finally reached the shores of the New World, specifically Pennsylvania, where the first fixed annuity was offered to Presbyterian ministers and their families. Following the devastating Great Depression, 1929 to 1941, investors placed more interest and more trust in insurance companies than in banks. Matter of fact, thanks to FDR's New Deal, there was a greater emphasis on savings, which the public overwhelmingly responded to. It was so popular that even corporations threw their hat in the ring and developed group annuities for pension plans. So it's against this backdrop and that I thought it would be important to set up the table. And now let's meet our next guest, David Lau. He is the founder and chief executive officer of DPL Financial Partners, a privately held financial services firm that specializes in the development and distribution of low-cost, commission-free insurance and annuity products, as well as technology-driven product discovery tools and education for advisors and individual investors. Mr. Lau is a sought-after speaker, commentator, and advisor to financial journalists, insurance carriers, and others in the financial services industry. His work has received coverage in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Barron's, CNBC, Wealth Management, and other financial media where he provides insights on industry products, players, trends, and, of course, best practices. With all that said, David Lau, welcome to Aging with Grace. How are you today? I'm terrific, Dale. Thanks for having me on. I, that, that all just says I've been around a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're well said. I like the, I like that. But you've been here a minute, right? Yes. Which means you know a few things that we're going to kind of get into uh, in terms of your specialty. Um, you know, today I thought what we would talk about a little bit is uh, this whole concept. We talked, we touched on it on a previous episode. Is the psychology of investing. Um, and as we get into psychology of investing, one of the things I, I read in reviewing some of your some of your uh, literature from uh, from your firm is that uh, a lot of your research is by leading academics, and I think that's very important that we that this is not just your opinion, but you have academic uh, research that supports the use of annuities to generate retirement income. How does that work in terms of the different forms of of, uh, of, of investors we're going to be talking about shortly? 
So, I mean, one, like you're saying, it's important that you, you know, leverage, you know, the best practices of academics, right? I mean, if you're, if, you know, in, in anything, you can have, you know, different people can have different incentives. You know, academics really don't, right? They're, they're, they're trying to study what, what are the best things for people? What are the best, you know, uh, you know what are the best results, the best implementations, the, the benefits of different things and different strategies, uh, so they're a great source, you know, to, you know, base recommendations on, you know, for clients. And, you know, one of the important things for clients, you know, to know when they get into financial services, they can often get, you know, kind of intimidated by it because you know, a lot of times, you know, it, it feels complex, but, you know, you should always be, uh, you know, able to express your financial advisor, whoever you're working with, or whatever you're looking into, you, you know, you, you want to you know admit what your concerns are, you know, because risks are different for different people, and we'll talk and we'll talk about that and the perception of risk and your tolerance for risk, you know, is different by individual and and frankly different by your stage of life. That's a very good point, and I think anyone who has had any kind of financial advice, including uh, your clients. Um, I remember when I sat down with our financial planner, uh, she had a risk meter, right? It's either low, medium, or high. And somewhere on there is where we're going to talk about some of the uh, personalities and psychology of investing. Because each one of these folks, each one of these categories is going to fall within low, medium, or high in terms of that risk meter. So with that said, um, there's like I have like several different categories of investors, uh, David, uh, we have the risk adverse and we have the follower. We have the independent contrarian and then we have the accumulator. And I thought for this segment, we would talk about the first two, the psychology of the risk adverse, and then we'll talk a little bit about the follower. Um, the risk adverse in terms of that, that, that uh, mid meter we talked about, low, medium, high, where do they fall? And what are the pluses and minuses in your opinion of being risk averse? So, Risk averse is usually you know, obviously on the very you know low end of the risk scale, meaning you know people who feel risk averse in, in the way that you know researchers would talk about it feel more pain from losing money than they do joy from making money, right? So you know if you're one of those people who when the market's down you're having a really bad day, and when the market's up you're feeling okay. That's what it should do, right? I mean that's. Right. You know, uh, and and you know, and you often keep a lot of your assets, you know, outside of the market and in safe investments like, you know, CDs or maybe you're in bonds or you know or things, you know, things like that. the The challenge with being risk averse today are the yields available to you in CDs and and other tradition in bonds, other traditional safe investments are not very good, right? So the problem is in today's world, you know, those traditional perceived safe assets aren't really safe anymore relative to your plan. Now, you're not going to lose money. You're not going to lose your principal, right? Your CDs, FDIC insured. But because the interest rate you're getting so low, Mm -hmm. we have inflation. We're all keen to inflation right now. Mm -hmm. In real terms, meaning inflation adjusted terms, you're losing money. You know, if you're only earning, you know, 0.5% 0.5% on your CD and inflation is 3%, you know, your purchasing power is going down. So you're actually introducing risk by not leveraging other investment options available to you. 
that's a good point. But then I could hear someone who's risk averse is going to say, David, that's a good point. But um, I would have missed the losses that the market handed out, right? Such as in 2000, 2008, and 2020. The market yeah. took a heavy hit, a lot of losses. So the, can the risk averse as part of their psychology say, hey, look, I hear what you're saying, but my money was safe. I missed those downturns. What do you say to that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's also you wind up missing the ups. So, I mean, you miss the downs, but you miss the ups. I mean, and again, you know, there's nothing wrong with being risk averse. But the, the challenge today, as I was saying, is if you're strictly looking into the investment world, your, your options are not great. Uh, because you know traditional safe investments aren't yielding much, um, so really, you know, looking into you know what we do on the insurance side and providing safety in the forms of insurance guarantees, you know, might be a way of you know getting a little bit of best of both worlds, getting that you know psycho you know your psychological needs met with the protection and the safety while having you know, ways of getting a little more upside than might be available to you in investments alone. Mm -hmm. And then as we talk about investments, here's what th what's intriguing, David, is as part of doing my research on investor psychology, and you already know this, but in terms of my target audience, the older we, as we age, the risk capacity is steadily diminishing, right? Because we see kind of the end of time and we're, we're afraid of putting too much at risk because we don't have enough time to recover. And That's, so how, how's that play in, my friend? Uh, the, the, yeah, there's a ton to that, right? So there's there's so many aspects. So, you know, as you age, the risk changes in many ways. So usually when you're you're looking at that risk meter that you're referring to and, you know, financial you know, advisors are asking you, you know, their typical, you know, standardized risk tolerance questionnaire, it really is only applying to your accumulation, meaning when you're making money. The kinds of questions they ask you is, if the market goes down 30%, what do you do? Do you buy? Do you sell? Do you hold on? You know, and so, but that doesn't re really apply to your retirement specifically, because now we're talking about not how do you feel about risking your principal you know, during market ups and downs, it's how do you feel about risking your retirement income? You know, mm -hmm. how, how do you feel about that? Now, that's a different challenge um, and, and a different you know, type of question. I like for myself personally, you know, I'm kind of a risk on guy during my accumulating years here. I'm, I'm, I understand the markets. I'm willing to take the risks. I know there are ups and downs. I'm comfortable with that. When it gets to my retirement, I want my income guaranteed. You know, I, I, I don't I don't want to risk it anymore. I took the risks throughout my life. I'm not willing to risk when I get into retirement. And so the the problems come when you get into retirement also relative to risk is there's a big problem academics you know study is that retirees often underspend what they're capable of because and therefore don't enjoy much of the retirement that they might be able to because they're afraid of running out of money. Mm. Right? So you start your retirement when you're relatively you know, healthy and mobile and things. And, and oftentimes you're afraid to spend your money because you don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know what kind of health issues you might run into. So you, you wind up having you know, that perceived risk of running out of money. So you don't spend your money and enjoy it as much as you can. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, another you know, part of the, you know, psychological, 
you know, approach to how, how do you think about your retirement? How do you think about risk? Uh, and, and, you know, how do you, how do you want to manage you know, your retirement income? We'll return to my interview with David Lyle shortly. In planning for retirement, think of the things you like to do now or the lifestyle you hope to enjoy. Keep in mind that while we are discussing annuities as one possible investment strategy, investing doesn't always have to be financial. Lucy Pritchett, contributing editor to Today's Transitions magazine in Louisville, shares a few ways she invests her time and profits from a little research on our travels both close to home and further afield. One of Lucy's most recent articles is an interview with Joanne Berryman, and it appears in the current edition of Today's Transitions magazine for seniors. When not writing, Lucy certainly leads a fulfilling life, including taking what she calls side trips to interesting places, as you are about to find out. When you go to a large city, you don't necessarily have to go to big department stores, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like my wife and I, we were in Denver and we found this wonderful little bookstore. Mm-hmm. And it had it was uh, had uh, wood had poplar wood floors, had timbers, had beams, and 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 what's you know stacks of books. And that was just an intriguing trip for us. And I'm sure you mm-hmm. have found those same kind of things as you've trekked around. Um, rather than going to big box stores, there's other yeah. things you can do when you go to communities, right, yeah. Lucy? Yeah. A lot of times I like to just even go to the library, mm-hmm. you know, the, the city library. Um, my an mom, old Carnegie, like an old Carnegie library? Yeah, or just, you know, some of the really, like the one in uh, Phoenix is the last, this one I remember. It was, just, I mean, it's really modern and big and very, very interesting looking, you know, just kind of fun. And they're, you know, they always, they usually have some kind of an exhibit or a local artist that they're featuring mm-hmm. in the library. My mother was a uh, librarian here in Louisville. So it's like, my, it's like my thing. You know, I remember going yeah. on, we'd go on vacation and we'd drive through t- towns and my mom would say, well, now let's find, let's find the library. Just drive by it. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> And this was before MapQuest or anything, okay. you know? All right. So wait, wait, let, let's, set, let's set the stage here, right? I'm thinking National Lampoon Family Vacation. You know, we're, we're all in the car. We're going. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to go see the library. So we're going to take a, a side yeah. trip. So did she go in and she said, there it is. Let's go now, on. Most of the time she would it was just <laughs> drive by and see it. But sometimes, you know, she, my dad would always laugh. He'd say, you know. Well, you know, we've been to the town and we've been to the library and that's about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well, they're just, you know, and they're, they're just, you know, there are little local museums, I think, that are fascinating. You know, as yeah. older, as I get older, my stamina, <laughs> you know, gets a little less. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, so everybody loves the Louvre or the Uffizi or any of those nice, big, huge museums. But, right. you know, some of those little tiny ones that just take less than an hour to go through are really interesting. And the docents that are there, the volunteers, yeah. you know, have a lot of local information. So, 
and a lot of time on their hands too. Huh? <laughs> and a lot of time on their hands too. Yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine, you know, you're gonna have crowds packing it out. I mean, there's only so many times you can you can re- reposition the doily. Is that what they're called? You know, doily. Good, good. Hey, so here, wait a minute. Here comes Lucy. Hey, we can we can show, we can spend some time with her. <laughs> and I'm you know I'm pretty chatty and like like to interview people even if I'm not going to write it up. I like to interview. You know, I'm curious about different things. Well, in, as we uh, finish our brief segment here, I, I think uh, what we can maybe put a bow around this. We're going to talk some more in the future about some of your other adventures, but it sounds like for right now for mature adults, or maybe just for people in general, Lucy, it sounds like enjoy the journey. Something you might be amazed at what you see. Mm-hmm. And don't follow the crowd. You don't have to follow the crowd. You can make your own path, you know, especially to the local to- lot. I'm sorry. I cut you out. Go ahead. dear. No, no. I mean, just, you know, you can, there are just a lot of interesting things out there. They don't, they don't have to be huge momentous occasions. You know, yeah. you can just go and have a small little adventure and you will remember it for its for the details. And when you say don't follow a crowd, I guarantee you, you'll have an issue of that going to the local library. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I uh, know. <laughs> I did do I did do a Grand Southern what I call the Grand Southern Literary Tour one year and I went from um from Louisville to uh a couple a lot of different places but they were they were like writers homes um I went Eudora Wealthy's home and into Memphis to see Shelby Foote's home and uh-huh. visited a bunch of libraries and visited a bunch of bookstores and um yeah that was quite an adventure quite an adventure and it's been quite an adventure, uh, and I've enjoyed speaking with you, Lucy Pritchett. And for our listeners, Lucy is a freelance writer. She enjoys writing and live and reflecting and just uh, also <laughs> visiting libraries <laughs> in her spare time. <laughs> you probably won't have many guests that like go to libraries like I do. But I will fun. not, but it's been delightful, <laughs> Lucy. I look forward to welcoming you back to another episode of Aging Thanks. with Grace. Thanks for having me. The other profile uh, that I find very interesting as well is uh, the follower, um, and this type of uh, this type of investor seems to be someone who doesn't take a proactive approach, but just kind of does whatever is easiest or the most comfortable. Um, they may be historically successful financially, but it could be self defeating over time by being a follower. What are your thoughts on that psychology approach, psychological approach? Well, most people are. Right. So most people are followers. You, you, you see that you know, throughout anything. Um, but, you know, there's in, in, in investing, you know, a lot of people will tell you, you, know, you don't want to be too proactive. Right. I mean, buy and hold is generally you know, the, the standard advice. Keep your costs down. Use low cost investments. Buy and hold. The, the challenge with being a follower today is the market's different. You know, when we look at, you know, what historic, so if you're staying with like historical norms today, because you're just following what it's always been, um, your, your portfolio is going to be challenged because today the low interest rate environment is unprecedented. You know, we're in, in a truly unprecedented period of time where, where equities are priced as high as they've ever been, you know, relative to value. And at the same time, interest rates are about as low as they've ever been. 
So if you're following a, you know, a standard 60% equities, meaning stocks investment with 40% fixed income, that's a bit challenging today because you can't get return. So to quantify that, historically in your bonds, your fixed income, your safe investments, you could expect to get 5% return. Today, you're looking at 1%. Wow. So, be, so being that follower, if you're just con, you know, continuing down what's, nor, what's been normal, you have a huge challenge on one side of your portfolio, which simply isn't yielding you know, what it has been. And, and it's been going that way for now like 14 years. I mean, it's wow. we're in an era of low interest rates. You need to you, know, you need to think about changing approach. You know, you talk about the 14 years as we go to our conclusion. And by the way, from our listeners, we're, uh, we're listening to David Lau. He's the founder and chief executive officer of DPL Financial Partners, a privately held financial services firm that specializes in development and distribution of low-cost, commission-free insurance, and annuity products. David, when you talk about the market over the last 14 years, it seems like um, you know people kept saying, this is not going to last. It's going to crash, right? But folks have been saying that for the last 14 years about what so far has proven to be a very robust market. So how does that play into the psychology of investing? Yeah, so it's, I mean, let's look at, you know, just two years ago when COVID hit, you know, people have really become, you know, everybody has recency bias, you know, which in academics means, you know, you 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 tend to think whatever happened latest, you know, the you know last is what's typically going to happen, right? So you you don't experience risk in the market. We've had this 14-year bull market. Now think about what happened when COVID hit. The market dropped like 30% in a week, maybe two two weeks, but rebounded in 60 days. So that inoculated some people to risk and said, hey, look, you know, the market's just going to keep going up. And, you know, if this didn't you know, knock the market down, nothing's going to knock the market down. But it always happens. You know, you know, Michael Finca, who's an academic you know, buddy of mine, um, you know, pointed out that like our stock prices today you know, resemble the stock prices of 1999, you know, pre-internet bubble and bubble meaning when it burst. I mean, the thing is stocks are overpriced. There is risk in the market. There is always risk in the market. You do get inoculated to it when we've had a 14-year bull market. But like, don't let that fool you that you know next year could be a down year and year after that could be a down year. Um, you, you can't get fooled into thinking there's no risk in the market and it'll always keep going up. We've been fortunate. And so many people, you know, as you know, with the advisors we work with. You know, many people as they approach retirement, now is a terrific time to think about, okay, we've had this 14-year bull market. Let's take some chips off the table. You know, let's take some of those winnings and buy income. You know, so let's buy a certain income for retirement, which is you know, in the form of an annuity, like with what, what we do. Well, David, that concludes our time for today. And I hope that uh, you'll return on our next episode to discuss the independent contrarian and the accumulator. Is that all right with you? Sounds great, Dale. Thanks for having me. DPL Financial Partners is the leading turnkey platform for commission-free annuity and insurance solutions. They're committed to strengthening financial plans that deliver value for advisors and clients alike. More information is available at dplfp.com. And a full disclosure, DPL Financial Partners is one of several sponsors 
of the podcast series, Aging with Grace, 55 Plus. When Roland Hussey was a mere 15 years old, he started working aboard a whaling ship. Born in 1822, he had grown up on Nantucket Island, Massachusetts, once the home of more millionaires than anywhere else in the United States, thanks to the then-popular whaling industry. At age 19, and without any formal education, he started working as a printer's apprentice in Boston. Roland had read about Benjamin Franklin's success and decided to model his own career after the legendary printer, inventor, and statesman. Unfortunately, the printing business didn't quite suit Roland Hussey as well as it did Franklin, so with the backing of one of his brothers, he opened his first dry goods store in 1843, which ultimately failed. As a matter of fact, over the next 10 years, Roland Hussey failed at four successive retail ventures. Undaunted, And building on lessons learned from previous failed stores, Roland Hussey opened another store. But this time he bought and sold merchandise only if he could do so with ready cash. Even as his business grew and wholesalers offered him credit, he refused it, deciding instead to work exclusively on a cash basis. The Red Star, he had tattooed onto his hand during his youthful whaling days, would become the shining symbol of his new venture. In its first year, while a recession loomed over the country in the 1850s, Roland's new store did $90,000 in sales. As the business grew, he obtained the leases of 11 neighboring buildings, creating the concept of what we know today as the department store. Department store. Selling everything from clothing and jewelry to toys and housewares. Roland Hussey also introduced new products to the public and created the revolutionary idea of accepting mail orders. He had a challenge because his store was beyond the borders of the main shopping district. So Roland knew he had to be innovative to draw customers. So he used his printing experience where he had failed to launch some new and unique newspaper advertising campaigns. He developed marketing strategies that would one day become part and parcel of the retail industry. He was the first, for example, to have a store Santa Claus during the holidays. He originated themed store exhibits and lighted window displays to draw customers in from the street given he was beyond the borders of the main shopping district. Despite a recession of the late 1800s, these were boom years for Roland Hussey. As he remembered his failure in the printing industry and became a master of advertising and publicity, he created newspaper ads that emphasized key words again and again. He used bold headlines and quoted exact prices of store items, something none of his competitors had ever done. So, have you guessed who our mystery story is about? 
Remember the red tattoo on the back of his hand during his youthful whaling days, the red star that would later become a symbol? Well, here's another clue. In 1902, the flagship store on Herald Square in New York City was built, and after a 1942 expansion, it became known as the largest store on earth. And here's your final clue. To attract customers, Roland Hussey created a parade of massive character balloons, extensively decorated floats, and special appearances from Santa as part of his Thanksgiving Day Parade. And folks, I think you now know who we're talking about because that same Thanksgiving Day Parade has been delighting children since 1924. Yes, in the century that followed, the Roland Hussey, whose full name you know oh so well, as in R.H. Macy, created a brand that expanded exponentially and has since become the household name Macy's. Yes, that Macy's. With a bright red star on shiny bags, bright red star on attractive store windows, all from a tattoo on the back of Roland Hussey's hand from his whaling days off the coast of New England. Well, that's it for this edition of Aging with Grace 55 Plus. Many thanks to my guest, David Lau, founder and chief executive officer of DPL Financial Partners. More information can be found online at dplfn.com. Also, a heartfelt thank you to freelance writer and just simply delightful Lucy M. Pritchett. Be sure to read her most recent article profiling Joanne Berryman in the current edition of today's Transitions Magazine for Seniors, which is also available online by visiting their website, todaystransitionsnow.com. Both of these sponsors, in addition to Kentucky AARP make this podcast series possible. So in conclusion, drop me a line as I always love to hear from you. Please send it to Dale. That's D-A-L-E at AWG55.com. Remember, aging is not a time of diminishment, but application of lessons taught by some of our best teachers, including experience. And now for the last thought of the day from James Clear, author of the book Atomic Habits. James Clear writes, good habits make time your ally, bad habits make time your enemy. So until next time, This has been your host, Dale Josie of Aging with Grace 55 Plus.